Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome to an all-new episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Robery. And guys, I'm glad to be back with y'all. Now, especially since the official duck season has ended for the 2023-2024 season. And if you are uh, joining us right here on Facebook or YouTube, any of our social media platforms, you're streaming us, watching video, we appreciate you doing so and welcome into the show this week. And for all of you who are catching our podcast on uh, your favorite podcast streaming platforms, we also would like to say welcome, guys. Glad to have you in. So, uh, so yeah, it's been a couple of weeks now since the season has ended. And, uh, and to be honest with y'all, I'm probably like some of you guys, probably needed a little bit of time to kind of wind down after the season ended up and wrapped up. And, uh, and just I wanted to really just kind of, you know, have a little bit of time to kind of reflect back on the season and, uh, and, and appreciate the good stuff that came out of this past waterfowl season. And also maybe take a look at some of the things that we did uh, that we personally did wrong that we could have improved on to maybe have a little bit stronger finish to the season. So, uh, you know, sometimes you just need, you know, a few weeks to kind of collect your thoughts, get everything back together. And uh, before we hopped on a, on a podcast and did a wrap up show right after the season closed, I just wanted to give it a few weeks, man. So it's good to be back. With all of you, um, I appreciate you guys being patient with us over the last couple of weeks. We didn't put out any episodes, you know, since we had did the last podcast and uh, and really just didn't want to rush it. That's what it was all about. But here we are. We are now sitting mid-February. We just had Valentine's this week. Uh, so hopefully you guys, hopefully you uh, you took care of all those uh, special someones in your life, whether it's the wife, uh, the girlfriend, whatever it may be, your significant other especially after hunting season's done because you know those ladies go through hell whenever we're in hunting season. So uh, you don't see them a whole lot. Or they don't They don't have a whole lot of – I know if it's like in my house, I don't. my wife knows not to have any kind of honeydew list for me during hunting season. So right now is the time where we can kind of catch up, make up to make up uh, all that time that we, we missed with them during hunting season. So I know my wife, she's happy when it's over. She, As a matter of fact, there was at one point a while back, and she don't ever ask me this typically during hunting season, but she said, man – she said, how much longer do y'all have uh, left in the season? And that's a tricky question because I know she knows the answer to that question, but I get what she was saying. She was saying, hey, it's time to wrap it up. And I'm sure some of y'all probably have a, a few spouses that are like that as well. But uh, I'm, to be honest, I'm with her. I mean, it seemed like it was a really long season. And I know, I know we only get a, a short amount of time, you know, during waterfowl season. Uh, it's only here for so long. But this year – to me, seemed like it, it was a, a just a grueling season. It was a long season, guys. And, uh, you know, if y'all follow us here on the podcast, just to kind of sum things up, which is what this episode is about, it's a recap episode. Uh, and we do this episode every year. We, we have a recap episode once the season's done. And, uh, you know, looking back at the season, guys, I, if you listen to previous episodes, I use the term a tale of two seasons, man, because that's for us what it was like. And when I say us, I mean me, Jackson, and the people that we brought with us on from hunts this year that, that hunted with us maybe on a couple of occasions. Um, it was a tale of two seasons, man. It started out really, really hot. Um, you know, and, and my game plan going into every waterfowl season, being in South Louisiana, I live in Gonzales, which is located, you know, in a good area because we could hunt the coastal marshes, 
and we can also hunt a lot of the freshwater marshes and we can also hunt the wood the timber so we have a little bit of, of luxury when it comes to that and being able to hunt kind of a little bit of everything so if the birds tend to hit the marshes we can hunt the saltwater marshes and the freshwater marshes if the birds move out of the marshes and they move into the timber uh historically we could just move over to the timber and we could hunt hunt into the woods the rest of the season you know which is something that we uh we always look forward to doing uh but this year it, it you know with with the drought that we went through it threw us for a curve it threw a lot of people for a curve this year and we you look i'm not going to sit here and say that we didn't expect that because we did expect it um you know one of the first episodes that we did when we kicked off the season i was talking about seeing a reverse migration this year uh, I thought that that was going to happen fairly quickly during the first split because I thought that once we opened up the season here in Louisiana uh, those of us who had water and was able to be able to hold water we were going to have ducks uh, but we were going to have a lot more pressure on those ducks because the guys who usually hunt the woods and that type of stuff or maybe some of the crawfish ponds the rice fields they weren't holding water we had been through a drought they didn't have water and I thought a lot of those hunters were going to move to those coastal marsh areas, uh, put a lot of more pressure, probably double or triple up on the pressure of the amount of hunters that were hunting those birds that were there when the season kicked off. And eventually, I thought after a couple of weeks, we were going to see those birds move out of those marshes and, uh, and, and you know, try to get away and maybe move back up north to Arkansas, Missouri, all those areas. So that's what I had predicted. That's what I thought was going to happen. And to my surprise, much to my surprise, uh, the birds that were in the coastal marshes, which we knew that they had birds in the coastal marshes, those birds hung around for the majority of the first split, longer than I thought was going to happen. Uh, and yes, I did see, I was correct in the fact that I saw more hunters uh, in the coastal marshes than I had seen in previous years, uh, just simply because, you know, like I said, th those guys were trying to have a place to hunt. They didn't have water in rice fields. They didn't have water in their crawfish ponds. Uh, you know, and they were looking to, you know, try to make hunts like everybody else. So they were, there was more pressure on uh, specifically public land, you know, because we do hunt public land for the most part. So I saw a lot more people early first split uh, in those areas and especially on public land. And, um, you know, even though they had a lot more pressure, I was really shocked that the, the birds hung around for the majority of the first split. So, we got off to a bang, guys, man. We were we were rocking and rolling. We just seemed to be making the right calls. Um, we had some, some success early on down in the saltwater marshes, and we were sticking to that game plan because we were we were trying to be as smart as we could. We were trying to scout it, uh, but, but, you know, scout it ahead of time before it opened up and kind of see multiple areas that we wanted to hunt that were holding feed. And I had mentioned in other episodes, um, that if you found the feed, you were going to find the ducks. And that's typically, that's not, that's not rocket science. That's just typically how it breaks out. You know, if you find good grass, stuff that the, those birds were keying in on, uh, down in the saltwater marshes, then most of the time you're going to have the birds there whenever the season opens up. And for us, that was the key. That was the ticket. We found areas, we found multiple areas that were, uh, housing plenty of feed for the birds. And sure enough, they had birds, you know, so thank God, you know, the, the game plan kind of all fell in place first split for us like that. And uh, everything seemed to be going really well um, with the game plan that we had in place. So I can tell you this much, guys, for us, 
one of the main factors that was contributing to our success in the first split is that we weren't putting pressure on the same area. And you've heard, you know, in other podcasts talk about that. You you know, we all watch YouTube. We, we hear guys talk about not overpressuring a spot. And I can't tell you how important that is. And as I've become older and a more, you know, uh, wiser, I guess you could say, we'll put that in quotation marks, wiser, uh, Hunter, you know, over the years, and I've learned over the years, uh, as compared to when I was a young hunter, I, I would, you know, man, we'd find that one spot and we would just pound, 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 pound. We were going after trying to pound those ducks as best as we could while those ducks were there. And then next thing you knew, there's no ducks anymore. And you, you're sitting there scratching your head and saying, man, what the hell's going on? Why the ducks were here last week or the last month. And, uh, and then now there's no ducks. Well, no shit, Sherlock. You know, that's the situation when you overpound a spot. They're not going to sit there. They're not going to sit there and just and just continuously get pounded on, and more birds are going to continuously move in. That just ain't how it works, you know. So as you get older and as you get more experience, you learn, hey, these birds are going to be here, but you gotta you gotta pressure them up to a certain extent, and then you gotta back off, man. That's just the way it is, you know. So that's what we did really well the first split. We found multiple spots before the season, like I mentioned, that were holding feed that look like good areas, um, and, and that's what we kind of keyed in on. And then when we'd make a hunt, we would try not to go back and hunt it at all that week. Uh, so if you guys follow us on our social media channels, uh, you know, you probably saw uh, that we were doing, you know, real well in those saltwater marshes early on, first split like I'm talking about. Um, but we would only hunt those spots once a week at most. So we would try to hit a spot. If we had a successful hunt, we wouldn't go back to it at all that week. And then we would go back to it next week, the following week, hunt it once a week. And typically what we were trying to do was hunt it during the week. Um, so during the week, we all know that there's less pressure. You know, it's just if you hunt public land, you, you for sure know that there is less pressure during the week. So when everybody is going back to work on a Monday, that's when I like to be able to go and make a hunt personally uh, or Tuesday or Wednesday. The earlier in the week you could hunt, the more success I have had in the past. And I think that that holds true because there's just less pressure on the birds. Um, and once again, that's not rocket science. That's not nothing that's, oh, my God, it's a man so hard to figure out. No, I mean, that's very simple. Less pressure, those birds are getting on them. You have better success typically getting those birds to work whenever you, you're out there making a hunt early in the week. So we were trying to hunt early in the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, if we could. Uh, preferably a Monday. That's just how the schedule rolled out for me this year, where on a Monday we were out there a lot of times, and we had some successful hunts on Mondays. Now, what's funny about the Monday hunts this season on the first split for us, or during the first split for us, is that we got extremely lucky. Not only were we hunting with less people on a Monday, but we had some, uh, during the first split here in South Louisiana this year in these saltwater marshes, we had some front hits at perfect timing and it seems like a lot of those fronts were coming in right on those mondays when we were hunting so it was almost a perfect storm uh if i could say that it, it was just at the right time less pressure and a front coming in that was moving birds around so we had one hunt in particular that i could recall that we were sitting there it was on a monday morning uh we had hunted the previous week had some success and here we are the following week and it's it's man you know daybreak breaks legal shooting time breaks and there's 
not much going on. I think we had two gadwall come into our spread before we even had our guns out of the cases. We had got there a little late uh, due to the water dropping out on us, and we were trying to – we had got into the blind a little bit later. Um, so we had two birds come in right at legal shooting time, don't have the guns out of the cases. We're still trying to uh, stash the boat, you know, do that type of stuff. And, bam, here they come in the decoys, don't get a shot at them, okay? So then an hour, hour and a half into the hunt, we still have nothing. But, boy, there was a front that was expected to – to roll through that morning, kind of mid morning, and we said, "Hey, we're just gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna sit it out. We're gonna wait, you know, and that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna wait these birds out, see if that makes a difference at all." So that's what we ended up doing. We waited out, and sure enough, as you can see that front line moving through, all of a sudden we start seeing birds on the move, man. We start seeing birds up high. We start seeing birds coming from behind us, uh, you know, just kind of funneling in. And here we go, one at a time, two at a time. And before you know it, we have we're, we're hunting two of us that day. We have six birds. Okay, so we went from zero to six pretty quickly, uh, or not not quickly. Let me not say that, but we we went from zero to six, um, you know, in just probably about an hour. Or so where as compared to before that, we didn't have any birds, you know. So here we are sitting at six. We had a, a one man limit at that point, and we just we just keep plugging away, guys, and we start seeing more birds show up, more birds show up. And before you know it, we have a two-man limit. So what you don't see is the backstory. Whenever you see us post a picture that day or you follow us on our YouTube channel or our Facebook or our TikTok or whatever it is, and you see, oh, a strap of us taking a picture with a strap of ducks, what you don't see is how long it took us to get that strap of ducks. You know, we had to put in the time and the work and the patience that day and all those conditions that we talked about, less pressure on them because it's a week weekday hunt. And then that front rolling in, you know, just at the right time, that's what was the key ticket to us having some success. If we wouldn't have had those things work, we may not have had a two-man limit that day. So everybody just says, oh, man, they own them because they have a two-man limit. I know I say that when I see other guys uh, out there in the field uh, coming back to the launch or I see them in a YouTube video, guys that I know and I follow, you know, and you, you just say, man, they must be on them. They got another limit today. Well, what you don't know is the backstory. You don't know that if it took them, you know, an hour to get a limit like that or if it took them all day, you know, to make that hunt and get a limit today. But at the end of the day, to me, I don't give a care. I don't care. I don't give a F about that, how long it takes me to get there. If I could get there and be patient and enjoy the hunt, that's what it's all about for me, man. I just want to be out there. I like being out there. I like enjoying the hunt with the with the friends that I go with. Um, especially, especially if it's a, uh, somebody that don't waterfowl hunt, that's not, uh, you know, a, a normal duck hunter. And they, they're kind of, we're taking them out there, kind of get them acclimated with waterfowling and duck hunting. And they, I enjoy spending that time getting to know those people that I bring with me. Um, and I enjoy the stories, man. That's what it's about for me nowadays. I enjoy spending that time out there. So, and you've heard me say this, if you listen to the podcast, you know, You've heard me say this before. It's, it absolutely blows my mind, and, and it's just my opinion. That's all it is. But it blows my mind how how much people get off, I guess I could say, get off on saying how quickly they kill the limit, you know. So you, I used to laugh and make a joke. I'd say, you, you know, back in the day before all the social media and the lives and all that stuff, now we got guys going live on, on Facebook, going live on YouTube and stuff on Instagram from the duck blind. You can, you can literally film a hunt live. 
Well, before that, years years back, several years back, you couldn't do none of that stuff, you know. So we would hop on the Ducks Unlimited app, and you're looking at reports of kind of what's going on just to kind of get an idea of what, of what the migration was doing. And you got guys that are saying, man, had a limited 615, three-man, four-man, five-man, 100-man limited 615. Not really a 100-man limit, but just, just exaggerating and making a joke out of it. But, but yeah, at 6.15, I'm like, dude, legal shooting time was 6.10, 6.05. And, and it's just to brag and to say, fuck you guys, we got a limit in 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you know, and this and that. And that just blows my mind because, hey, man, you know what? When I'm reading that, I'm like, good for you, dude. I'm glad you got it that quickly if you truly got it that quickly. But I enjoy the hunt. I don't want to get up as a public land hunter at 2 in the morning or one thirty in the morning, or not sleep some nights to hold a spot in line at the boat launch, get out there and, and kill a limit of ducks in 10 minutes, or say I killed a limit of ducks in 10 minutes, and uh, and be out of there with all the work that we put in and the time that we put in. Now, do I like killing limits of ducks? Yes, I'm not going to lie. I love killing limits of ducks just like the next man. But my point is, is what is it with the bragging and people think that they have to justify how quickly they kill a limit of birds when we're all out there for the same experience to enjoy the hunt, you know, and enjoy the people that we go on the hunt with. That's all I'm saying. So I, I find it comical when guys get on there, and, 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 and I, I used to be like that too. I'll be honest with you. I can't sit here and judge because when I was younger, I was doing the same thing too. I'd say that, especially if I'd had social media back then. I'm, a old, I'm an old fart guy sometimes, so I don't – we didn't have social media when I was when I was in my younger years, but – Look, hey, if that's if that's what you enjoy about it, hey, go for it, man. That's you. You do you. That's what I say uh, on that. I just find it a little funny now since I'm older, I guess. And I'm not I'm not picking on anybody specifically. I'm just saying I do find that kind of funny, um, you know, because it's 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 all about enjoying the experience. We know that, and uh, and it's you know it's just part of having fun and 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 being able to talk and 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 do you know, have a podcast and talk about it like we're doing now. So, but anyway, guys, you know, don't, what, my point to all that was that you don't see what goes into those hunts when you see guys killing limits of birds and you think it's easy. It is not easy. I promise you it is not easy. Whether you have the best duck hunt spot in the, in the world, you know, you could be the honey breaks, you could be the, you know, all these big resorts, the Days Bayous here in Louisiana, all these great resorts that are known for waterfowl hunting and have become known for waterfowl hunting. It's still not easy for those guys all the time. I know, I know the the magic of TV and everything makes it look easy, but it, but it's not. There's a lot of work that goes into all those hunts and to have that success that those guys have and to make their clients happy, all that type of stuff. There's a ton of it, and there's days that. That, that it's not always good. And you don't necessarily see that with the power of social media and the, the magic of TV and the editing and all that type of stuff. Uh, it just, you know, it always seems like it comes together when it's on TV and social media, but there's a lot of days where it's not like that. So if you, if you have those days and you had that type of season, then you're not alone. You're not alone at all. Trust me on that. You, there's a lot of guys that struggled this year, us included. I know we're talking about first foot of the season how it was a success for us. But at the end of the day, we didn't have a great season this year, guys. I looked at numbers from last year, and we're half half of what we killed last year. Even though we had a great first split of the season, our first split that we hunted only lasted three, three weeks, you know, three, four weeks. So, you know, when you look at the overall picture, we were down. So if, if you struggled this season and you don't think, you, you say, man, what am I doing wrong compared to everybody else? 
trust me, uh, you know, there a lot of guys struggled this year as well. I talked to numerous hunters this year that told me this was one of the worst seasons they've ever had, you know. And, and I can't say that personally because we had a good first split. But the second half of the season, I can tell you that we struggled more than anybody out there. Just because, you know, we have a YouTube channel and we're putting out content and this and that don't mean we had a good second split of the season. Because I can tell you, I can tell you this much, guys. I'd have to go look at the numbers exactly. But I could promise you that in the second split of the season, we did not kill more than 20 birds second half of the season. That that's that's the truth. And I'm not gonna sit there and lie to you and say, man, we hammered them just so we look good or, or people think that we killed them. We didn't kill them. We killed 20 birds, if I had to guess, second split of the season. If I'm remembering that right when I looked at those numbers, it was right around 20 that we killed in the second half of the season. And that's our longest stretch of the season for us here in South Louisiana or in Louisiana, period. That is our longest stretch. We went to the end of February, or I'm sorry, end of January. Let me not say end of February. I'll end up getting old green jeans calling on me. But um, but we went to the end of January, last week in January, and I believe in the second half of the season, we were sitting right at around 20 birds, man, total for the second split. So that sucks. That sucks. And that will make you grind. And I'm going to explain to you guys why we struggle so much. And it's it's our fault. It's our fault for the most part, you know. Um, but kind of going back, leading into what happened in the second split, first split, really good. Less pressure during the week hunts, had success there. We had birds, plenty of food. Um, as we were rounding out the first split, we noticed that a lot of those those areas that had some of that feed that was holding birds, it was deteriorating, guys. It was, they were eating it up. The, those birds were in there pounding. Some days when we were running out of those areas in the saltwater marsh, there was thousands of birds sitting in there eating the feed, and they would get up. If you were close, anywhere close to them in a boat, they were getting up. And, and they would, they were, there was, you could see the numbers of them. There was lots of birds down there. Um, now, <clears throat> once that feed started disappearing, I just had a good feeling. I was like, man, this ain't good. I said, we, we starting to lose the, the feed. Um, the tides were fluctuating big time. We were getting some winds that was dropping water out of the ponds. Uh, you couldn't even get to some of the ponds that we were hunting that were holding the feed. Uh, so that was playing a, a factor in why we were, I, I had a feeling going in the second split what we had special in the first split was going to kind of go away. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. So second split comes around. We go to the saltwater marsh as soon as it opens up, that second split, and don't see the birds, guys. We just don't. We had made a scouting trip in the split. During the split, didn't see the birds anymore. You see some, but not nearly the numbers that we were seeing. The areas that we had hunted before started dwindling down. Numbers started going down, going down. So. What we typically do every year is, you know, we like to go to the timber in the second split of the season. Um, we have a camp, you know, that if you follow us, you've heard, you've heard us talk about it a million times. We have a camp in the Chafalaya Basin, a portion of the Chafalaya Basin. It's public land, and we love to hunt that during the second split. We have some potholes. We have some duck seed uh, holes that are full, full of duck seed. We, we hold some nice water back in those areas, and those ducks, historically will go to those areas and they're looking for a place to load. So they'll go eat in the morning in the rice fields. We have rice fields in all that area, not too far surrounding those areas. Um, they'll eat in these rice fields. They'll eat in the marshes. And then I think they come to these, these timber holes and they rest. That's what they do. It gives them cover. It gives them a place to kind of get away from the wide open pressure of uh, boats running throughout that stuff, all those areas like you would see in the marshes. So the issue was that with the drought this year, 
no water. There was no water in the woods. We had holes, potholes that normally hold four to five foot of water that had cracks in the ground. That's how dry it was. And all of you boys who were in the rice fields and you couldn't pump water into your rice fields, your crawfish ponds, you couldn't pump it in because there was too much salinity in the water uh, that was going to kill your crops. You know, there was there was cracks in the ground. It was very, very tough, um, you know, to, to be able to have water and be able to hunt enough water to hunt it. So we were relying on Mother Nature. So when we saw that we were having less success in the saltwater marsh right when the season opened and there was less ducks, I tried to force it. I tried to force it. I said, hey, we're going to go to the woods. We're going to kind of grind in there. We're going to try to look. We're going to put in some, some time scouting. And we're going to try to find a little bit of water, enough water to where we can hunt it. And that's, and that's what we tried to do, guys. We put in some time. We went out there. We, we were trying to find any bit of water that we could, whether it was a, a natural bayou, any of that type of stuff, something that was holding water. And we were able to do that. We were able to find some water. We found a, a particular area that was absolutely gorgeous. It was beautiful for us. Uh, had some, some, I guess, about a foot to a foot and a half of water, which is perfect for puddle ducks. And you would think, okay, this is this is it. This is prime, man. This is this is this is the juice right here, you know. And what it was was that I guess, I, and I'm guessing, I'm not a biologist by any means, but I'm guessing with it being so dry that the birds that did come down not having water or not having much water or enough water bypassed that area i think those birds kind of bypassed those areas and they went to the marshes i could be a hundred percent wrong on that i don't know but that's just what my it, from what i saw that's what i'm thinking possibly happened <clears throat> even the wood ducks like we normally have thousands and thousands of wood ducks in these areas in the timber that i'm telling you about and we didn't have wood ducks. We weren't seeing wood ducks, man, uh, in the woods at all like we normally do. To, to, to tell you how bad it was, we were seeing wood ducks, and some of you will probably agree with this. You were killing wood ducks in the saltwater marshes this year, and you were killing wood ducks in the freshwater marshes this year that you typically don't see a lot of wood ducks. They were flying with gadwall and widgeon and teal and all this other stuff because guess what? In the woods, they had to get out. They, they had no water. So your local birds, I think, were on the move. Your local wood ducks were on the move trying to find water. So they went to areas that, that were holding water, like the coastal marshes. Your migratory wood ducks that come down, they were doing the same thing. I think they were bypassing all these areas because there was no water, and they, they went to areas that had large amounts of water where they could congregate and hopefully have feed and get away from some of that pressure. So I think I think that this area that we found, even though it had water, it looked good, it just wasn't holding the birds. It, it, we didn't get we didn't get the birds coming in because they just weren't using those areas, you know. But in the back of my mind, I kept telling myself we were killing a couple of wood ducks, one or two wood ducks a hunt. For a few for a few hunts, like two or three in a row, we were averaging like one wood duck a hunt. And I kept telling myself, I was like, man, they gotta show up. These birds are gonna show up. The later we're gonna get in this split, we're gonna get some mallards. We're gonna get some gadwall. We're going to get some of these puddle ducks, these widgeon and stuff, teal, to move in that we normally see every year. Yes, we don't have the water that we normally have, but I think we found an area that got a little bit of water and we're going to get them eventually. Well, guess what? That never worked out. We never got them, guys, because this particular area that I found, I know we have killed all those species that I mentioned in the past. Years ago, we did extremely well in those areas. Now, this year with the drought, it changed these, this particular area I'm talking about. It changed it a little bit. It actually flushed it, 
flushed it out, flushed the swamp out. And it, it, it opened it up a little bit more than it was over the last several years when I had visited that area. And I, and that's why it was so beautifully, aesthetically pleasing to the eye that I was like, they're going to be here. They're going to be here. We just got to be patient. And they never showed up in that area. And to this day, it still frustrates me. We sit here in mid-February, and I'm thinking to myself, I, I look back at these pictures I took of it, and I look back at these video clips I have, and I'm thinking to myself, how in the fuck was there no birds there? Well, Mother Nature had her say-so. She over, she over, over, uh, she over uh, I'm trying to think of the word, uh, she she basically made the call for us is what it was. And, and And what I was hoping for just never transpired. You know, it never, it never came, came to be. So, you know, that's, that's part of learning, man. I mean, next year we can have the exact same situation with the conditions next year. And we could have ducks in that hole in this area where I found that had a little bit of water. We could have ducks piled in there next year and be the only area that got birds in the area. Who knows? You know, it's just a, you play, you, you gamble, and you either you either hit it big or you or you lose, and that's just the way it is. It's gambling, guys. And when you hunt public land, and you you in a year where the conditions aren't normal and things aren't like they normally are, which is part of duck hunting, you know, that's just how it is. Every year changes. You know, you can't rely on an area that oh I've killed ducks there for 20 years and they're gonna be there guaranteed next year. It's just not like that. It's not. That's not the way it is. That's not the way it works out. And, uh, and and it's never like that, you know. So we learned something this year, you know. We we went with the hand that was dealt to us, and it wasn't it wasn't something that worked out for us in that second split. Those birds never showed up. And what's crazy is that not very far, not very far from this particular area, I'm telling you that we uh we, we were waiting on those birds to show up. They had guys that were killing birds. And they were killing birds on the right days, the right conditions, uh, and they were they were killing good birds, guys. So we weren't far. Our group was not very far from where those birds that I was talking about, those mallards. They probably killed more mallards this year, not very far from us, uh, than we've killed in years in this particular portion of the Chafflaw Basin. And those of you who know me, you know where I'm talking about, guys. It's no secret. But I'm not gonna tell. I'm not gonna tell the, the world right here on our podcast where we are specifically. But if, if you follow us, you hunt a lot of the same areas we all hunt in public land. Then you guys know where I'm talking about. You know, they had some of y'all who were hunting this particular area and and had some really really good hunts this year. Those hunts where you could proudly post that strap of greenheads and gadwall and teal and wood ducks or whatever it was. It was mixed species. They had some pintail that I've seen killed in this area uh, this year. So, I, man, I, to be honest with you, I'm really glad for the, those of you who had good hunts uh, in this portion of the Chafalaya Basin during the second split. I really am, man. I'm true. I'm truly happy for you guys that had good hunts because uh, that's awesome just to see some birds uh, back in that area. Um, and, and I really think people asked me, you know, they were asking me, and we had this conversation with a lot of other hunters. They said, how do you think this drought's going to affect uh, you know, the public land, a lot of the public land areas that we hunted here this year in Louisiana. And, and honestly, guys, from what I saw, I think it's going to help. I think if we were in those areas, if you hunt those areas that didn't have water, uh, you know, from what I've seen is, is we've been losing land and, and, and water acreage uh, to, you know, accessible water to be able to hunt ducks over the last probably decade, decade and a half, maybe even 20 years. Uh, 
due to invasive species, vegetation, all that type of stuff, um, shrinking down our spots. You know, we've talked about that as well before. So I've been seeing that happen. Well, this year, from what I saw on, on these areas that have been shrinking down, is when this drought hit this year, you would think that it would have just been overtaken by grass and all that type of stuff. But this invasive species like water hyacinth and uh, salvania, if you're in an area that had salvania, and you, it, it got hit by this drought this year where there was no water, well, what happened was when all this stuff dried up, it killed all this invasive species this year. So it opened all these areas back up again and kind of kind of made it look like the old days man you know like i remember when i was coming up you know hunting in my younger days and even before that when i was a kid with my father so it really opened up some of this stuff this year and i'm hoping that you know i think i hope i'm hoping that it buys us a little bit of time as far as being able to have these areas opened up a little bit more give us a little bit more acreage to be able to hunt these, these spots over the next couple of seasons because You'd be a fool to think that it's going to stay like that long term. You know, we really don't know because, once again, Mother Nature has the say-so in, in what happens. But, you know, only time will tell what how it will end up. But I think this drought uh, is going to help it, hopefully, for a couple of seasons at least. And if it could do that, hey, it gives us a, a couple of seasons, hopefully, of having a little bit more space to spread out, a little bit less pressure in certain spots, and hopefully – those birds that made it down this year will imprint and be able to make their journeys if they if they made it out if they made it out of out of here this year and back up north and and survive the whole nesting situation and predators and all that stuff then hopefully those birds will be able to make it back down here to Louisiana again next year and uh and maybe a couple of seasons after that we can kind of imprint some of those birds down here so i think that's really what i hope for but i think the drought actually helped a lot of areas this year. I, I know the hunting, we had to sacrifice the hunting this year and adjust to what we were normally used to. But I think in the long term, over the next couple of years, it's going to probably help it, uh, the areas that we that we frequently hunt, you know. So I'm hoping that's how it goes down. But, um, but yeah, guys, I mean, great first split for us. Horrible second split for us. It was a tale of two seasons. That's why I say – it felt like it was two different duck seasons completely that I hunted this year. And you know what? I'm not mad at it, man. I had some good hunts. I had some memorable hunts. Uh, one thing I didn't do this year is I, every year I try, try to kill a species and mount a duck, uh, mount a, a specific species of waterfowl. And this year I didn't come out with anything, man. I didn't kill nothing that was just got to have, you know, or was just a beautiful full plume bird that I had to have on the wall this year. So uh, that's the first time in a while that that's happened, but that's okay. Cause normally the birds that I'm out, they'll come out of the second split of the season because that's when they're full plume. You know, the birds are prettier at that time of the year, but this year didn't really get on anything that I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta have that. And I want to, I want to put it up on the wall uh, and mount, mount this bird. So, so what I had done, what I did was during squirrel season, I killed a black squirrel this year that I don't kill many black squirrels with the areas that I hunt during squirrel season. We spend October usually scouting a little bit for ducks, and then we, we squirrel hunt. We love to squirrel hunt. So this year I killed a black squirrel, and I told I told Jackson, I told Hudson, my youngest son, I said, well, I said, Dad didn't get a, uh, a duck to mount this year. I said, uh, I guess I'll have to go ahead and mount the black squirrel. So I had saved my black squirrel, and I was like, look, I'm probably going to go ahead and mount it anyway, but I may not mount it this year if I kill, you know, a certain duck that I want to mount. 
So that didn't happen. But so it looks like the the black squirrel is going to be getting mounted this year. So soon I'll be dropping uh I'll be dropping him off to the taxidermist, and uh we'll add a little squirrel to the to the replica mount that we got. So uh, repertoire mount that we got. So. Uh, looking forward to that, but uh, but yeah, guys, if you if you had like I said, if you had a season where you felt it, you were the only one that was out there struggling, I promise you, you were not. There was a lot of us that were struggling at at some point in time throughout the season, and yes, it wasn't a season that's typical. Um, you know, uh, whether it was a good uh, a good season for you, better than normal, or it was a season that was worse than normal, it wasn't typical for anybody this year. And that's okay. That's okay. That's just that's just the way it went down. So I can't say that I was surprised at all when I look back at it and I and I think about what my predictions were. I can't really say that hey I, I'm surprised the way it all went down um, because I was expecting some curveballs. I'll be honest with you. And uh, and when it went down the way it went down, then yeah, I, I, it didn't really surprise me a whole lot. Um, you know, that's just the way it goes down some years, and that's the way it happens. But at the end of the day, had a, a great season, man. We had a lot of first-time hunters come with us. Uh, this year, I was able to bring several several young hunters with me this year, whether they were Jackson's friends, some of his friends. Uh, you know, the cool thing about having a social media presence, I guess, and us doing this podcast and all that stuff is that, you know, when I have Jackson, he gets on it with me. He loves to do it. He just he's so busy with his schedule playing sports and school and all that it makes it hard for him sometimes to be a regular uh, contributor to the podcast or to the social media stuff. But what you guys don't know is that he does a lot of the editing in the videos. He posts a lot of stuff for us on our social media. Uh, whenever I'm at work and stuff like that, he'll post it throughout the day when he gets off school, after school, that type of stuff. And uh, and man, I, I couldn't. I, I'm so grateful to have him do that with me. But what it also does is it gets a lot of his friends that he goes to school with or that he plays sports with, and they say, man, you know, we watch all stuff because they, they like to see him on it, you know? And they think it's cool. They think duck hunting's cool, and they may have never went duck hunting or waterfowl hunting or, or whatever, or whether or not we make a frogging video or we make a fishing video in, you know, springtime at this time of year coming up. They think that that's cool, and they may not have an opportunity to do that with somebody that could bring them. So oftentimes they'll hit him up at school and say, man, uh, look, ask your dad if, if I could go make a duck hunt with you. I never got the duck hunt with you. And that's, that's what's really awesome about all that because this year I, we got to take a couple of his friends that had never duck hunted in their life and bring them on some hunts with us this year. And, well, the only, the only regret I have on that is I, a lot of times it was during the second split of the season, which our second split sucked. We already kind of summarized all that. Uh, so I wish it could have been on some of the, some of the better hunts like we had during the first split. Uh, and in all fairness, Jackson, I feel bad for him because he had a horrible duck season this year because a lot of those hunts that we had success on in the first split of the first half of the season was on Mondays, like I mentioned to you guys, and he was at school a lot of times. So it was me and a buddy who was making those hunts or me and one or two other friends that had, uh, you know, normal schedules where, or, or schedules where we could get off on a Monday and, uh, and make those hunts. And I'd come home with a strap of ducks, and he's getting home from school, and he's like, God damn, Dad. He's like, y'all got him again, huh? And, and I felt bad for him. I'm like, man, we're going to get you on a hunt. We're going to get you on a hunt. That's good. I guarantee you we got all second half of the season 
And lo and behold, second half of the season is absolutely measurable. We don't have no ducks where we on that. We couldn't get on them like we wanted to. So he, he ended up having a, a bad duck season, and I feel bad for him in that sense. But, you know, he knows how it is, man. He's been with me since he's five years old, coming in the, in the woods and the marshes. Uh, and he's seen it. You know, he's seen he's seen when it's good, and he's seen when it's not good. And he knows that it ain't guaranteed. Nothing's guaranteed when it comes to waterfowl hunting, and especially waterfowl hunting public land. You know, he knows that. So, uh, so yeah, that's just the way that's the way it is sometimes. But the cool part is that we get to introduce some new hunters to the sport, some young guys to the sport, and not one of them boys that I brought this year with us uh, for the first time looked and said, man, this this sucks, or this is boring, or or even though the action wasn't good, they all had a great time. We laughed, we joked, we had some conversations, we made fun of each other, you know, just stuff that good old boys do in the blind, you know, and every one of them told them that, man, they want to get into duck hunting after that, every one of them, and I'm not exaggerating that when I say that, every one of those boys, and some of you that came with us this year, that we're talking about right here, you may be listening to the podcast now because now you're interested in duck hunting, or you may be watching us right here on, on YouTube or, or on our Facebook page. And you guys, it was awesome to have you if you're watching us and you're listening to this. It was awesome to have you. I'm so glad that you guys got introduced to the sport and you enjoyed it. And I think you guys are going to continue on as y'all continue to get into high school and, uh, and, and get a little older and start hunting on your own. Hopefully we exposed you to all the benefits that, that duck hunting and waterfowling could offer, and uh, you guys going to stick with it. So that's really cool. Um, got Had a lot of, besides going on hunts with people, guys, had a lot of conversations, met a lot of people this year. Uh, at boat launches, public boat launches is awesome. I love it. That's one of my favorite things. Uh, you get to meet a lot of people. You get to kind of learn who people are. Uh, and, and once you get to know these people and you see them on a regular basis at these public boat launches, then they become almost like family to you. And a lot of you will probably agree with that. Um, they become good friends of yours that you touch base with throughout the summertime. And what's really cool is the ones that you don't touch base with throughout, you know, on a regular basis throughout the year. But then when you come back together the following year and you see each other at that boat launch again, it's kind of like you never left, man. And that's, that's a cool deal. I like that, man. There's, so, there's several guys that I, I see at the boat launches that we all, we, we're, we're waterfowl hunting brothers, you know. We only talk to each other when waterfowl season comes around, and we run into each other at the boat launches, and that's that's a cool deal, man. I really like that a lot. That's another great thing about the sport and about public land hunting. And that, and you know, I say public land hunting because that's something that you really can't experience if you're in a lease or you hunt private land. You know, you you, you really don't get that camaraderie that you do meeting new people because you probably hunt with a lot of the same groups of people. Uh, but public land hunting, that's one of the major benefits of it, man. You meet a lot of, a lot of people like that. You form relationships with people, uh, that could, that could, you know, turn into long lasting relationships. Um, they could turn into professional relationships. Maybe you have a, you, you have a job that you, you end up picking up, you know, a job. Maybe you're an AC guy or something like that and you love to duck hunt and you meet somebody at a boat launch this year and you become friends. And that guy calls you to repair his AC later on this year, you know, because he knows you through duck hunting. You know, little things like that, that it could turn into bigger things. It could turn into business possibilities. It's all about networking, guys. That's what it is. It's networking. I'm in sales. And it's all about networking. And that's what we teach new sales representatives. It's all about getting out there and networking. That's what social media is about. 
That's why we do this. We have friends from out of state that we met this year, Michigan, New York, Wisconsin, areas way up in the flyways, guys that have no correlation to Louisiana or interest necessarily in Louisiana waterfowl hunting, but we all share an interest in waterfowl hunting in general, you know, not just in a specific state. And we all now talk to each other on social media and we, we help promote each other's pages and channels and products and all that type of stuff. Uh, just because we all share that same passion and it's good people, man, coming together. So that's, that's when I look back at the season this year, that's a lot of the awesome stuff, a lot of the, the positive stuff that came out of it, man. And, and really not a lot of negative stuff this year. And I was glad to see that for the most part. There was a little, a little part of the season that I did an episode and I was talking about the negativity and water, waterfowl hunting and, you know, being a little nicer, a little kinder to each other. And when I look at the grand scheme now that the season's over, the grand picture and the outlook on everything, really, guys, it's nothing to worry about, man. Yes, you have situations that you run into like that uh, from time to time, but that's just that's just that's the minimal part of our sport, man. It's a lot of a lot more positive than there is negative out there. So I'm glad to, I'm glad to see that. I'm glad to be a part of this culture. I'm glad to be a part of this hobby. Uh, it's something that's near near and dear to my heart guys and when i say that i mean it from the bottom of my heart i want my kids to be a part of it i'm glad they're a part of it i want your kids to be a part of it i want new people to come to the sport that we can help out and not make fun of and and not mock because they don't have the knowledge of our sport i want to be able to to be able to do this podcast to help educate people and have a safe place for people to come to to listen to waterfowl content and outdoor content and say, man, I enjoy the same stuff they enjoy. Yeah, I don't, I don't do it 100% the way that they do it. But hey, at the end of the day, that's cool. We we all share the same passion. The end result's all the same for us, you know. And I think that's a, I think that's a good thing, man. I, a big part of my content, you know, moving forward, and it always has been. I'm not saying it hasn't been. It always has been. But a big part of my content, guys is going to be educating other hunters that maybe or other people that are thinking about getting into our sport and hunting. Uh, whether, you know, it's through video or, you know, through our social media content or through our podcast or a mixture of both. We're going to continue to do that. So we, uh, you know, now's the time of year. Now that hunting season's over, we, we typically die down. We don't put out as many podcasts. We don't do that stuff until we kind of get ready to ramp up in the hunting season again. But this year, I'm going to try to continue to do some throughout the year, uh, as well as my schedule allows, you know, work schedule and stuff like that, to be able to put out some educational stuff, talk, you know, talk about waterfowl hunting, maybe some basic stuff that some guys take for granted that other guys don't know about yet, you know. We're going to try to do a little bit of that content. We're going to do some video content like that on a, on some stuff that is very basic, but it's stuff that is very basic for some people, and we take it for granted as hunters that's been doing it for a long time, but other people are just being introduced to it, you know, and, uh, and, and that content is going to be for some people and some people it's not, but you know, we try to bring content that's going to benefit everybody in some way. And that's what we're going to focus on this year in 2024 guys. So, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't do a wrap up show also guys without mentioning some of the companies that we work with and help support us right here on the podcast. Uh, also some of the guys that, you know, uh, are some of the, the, the people that are part of our social media platforms, that type of stuff. 
And uh, just a couple of companies, guys. I want to thank, uh, you know, SRD20, Boat Care Products. Uh, Stuart is a great guy. He is the owner of SRD20, Boat Care Products. Um, he has been a supporter of mine since he and I met each other about two years ago. I support his products. I truly believe in his products. Uh, I'm in the boat industry full-time. That's what I do. I've seen a ton of products come across my, my desk over the years as far as boat care products and stuff like that. And truly, I truly believe that SRD20, his products are some of the best that I've ever seen, guys. And I have had several of y'all contact us asking us about certain products and where can we get them at, do all that type of stuff. Guys, if, you, if you're if you interested in SRD20 boat care products, you can go to their website, srd20.com. Um, and you could pick out any of the products that they have for maintaining your bass boats, your hunting boats, uh, your pleasure boats, any of that stuff. I use it on my vehicles, my truck, <clears throat> All, anything that you could do like detailing wise for a vehicle, a boat, um, you know, vinyl seats, any of that stuff. You could use SRD 20 products. They got a product that's good and affordable for you. And if you go to the website, guys, and you use our promo code last stop. At checkout, you receive 20% off of your purchase, guys. So that's a great deal that he offers our listeners, our viewers, and uh, and helps support us with. And uh, he's a big supporter of the channel. And I want to say thank you again for 2023, uh, the guys at SRD 20 Products supporting us here at Last Stop Waterfowl. Another great company, guys, you hear us talk about, J. Thomas Blindgrass Camouflage Systems. Guys, I know a lot of you have got familiar with blind grass now. You're using it on your blinds, whether you have permanent blinds, you have boat blinds, uh, any of that type of stuff. Jay Thomas at Blind Grass Camouflage Systems, guys, will blow you out the water as far as the material that he has made and that he has designed for any kind of concealment. He has a synthetic grass blend, guys, that is totally artificial. It does not rot, does not absorb moisture. Um, it, it, it lasts 10 times longer than the old fast grass that we used to brush up with. It lasts longer than any kind of natural vegetation. <clears throat> Those days of rebrushing blinds during a season or even for a couple of seasons, that's done, guys. S um, SRD20, I was going to say SRD20. Blind grass camouflage, guys, is where it's at. I promise you. You will not work with a better guy than Jay Thomas. He's right here in Louisiana. Um, he has his stuff available to you on his website at blindgrass.com, and you could go there and purchase blindgrass material, boat blind setups, permanent blind setups, just panel blinds if you have a teal blind for teal season, any of that stuff. Jake can get it for you, whatever color you want, whatever type of grass you want, and then he has cool stuff on top of that, sweatshirts, hoodies, glasses, uh, all that type of stuff. He has a dry bag for your shells, everything over at blindgrass.com guys and they are a supporter of us here at last stop waterfowl outdoors and i can't thank him enough for that guys also we are heading into fishing season guys and uh it's it's time to get out there and go catch some white perch catch some soccer catch some bass my buddy blake benoit benoit's performance baits guys he's down in the thibodeau area thibodeau homa area and and he's a great guy too we work with companies that are good people guys we were not only good people, but good products that we believe in their products. And I've known Blake now for several years. I used to own a tackle company myself. I made baits. And I can tell you that is an absolute grind of a business to be in. And Blake has been doing this for years. He is a good person. He donates and, and supports a lot of local high schools, a lot of college teams, just a lot of, uh, of charity events. He is always donating product to you know places that need it, guys, and ask for it. And he never asked for a penny back. 
So if you could go help support guys like him um, that do that type of stuff and help support the community, when he supports the community, we can support him back, guys. That's what it's all about. And he makes some of the best hand-poured plastics for bass fishing, sackle fishing. He has, he has tube jigs that are amazing, guys, that he pours in plastic tube jigs, uh, some little grass shrimp, all kind of different stuff that you can't necessarily find at other tackle stores. He'll do it in any color you want, and he has some, some baits that catch fish, guys. You can look him up at uh, Benoit's Performance Baits. We have links on our social media pages. He also has a website. He's on social media. Go check him out, Benoit's Performance Baits, and, uh, and help support him, guys, because he has good products. He's a good guy, and he also helps fellow outdoorsmen as well, guys. So that's a great thing. And at the end of the day, he's going to put some fish in your boat. You're going to have some good fish fries this summer. With the price of crawfish right now, we're going to probably all need to be catching a few more fish this year. So you're going to probably want to go get you some Benoit's Bait, catch you some fish, and uh, and save some money in the long run over the prices of crawfish this year, guys. So, but uh, but yeah, that's that's guys. Those those companies that I mentioned mentioning along with my buddy Charlie Perlu at Game Changer Boats. Charlie's really taking off with his uh his company at Game Changer Boats. Man, he's building custom aluminum boats for hunters for waterfowl hunters, deer hunters, fishermen, whatever you want. If you have a dream boat that you've been thinking about getting, go talk to Charlie. Look him up, Game Changer Boats. You can get all his links on our pages as well. He supports the show. We had him on the podcast this year, guys, and he has an awesome story. He is a uh, he is a welder by trade. He has been working. He worked with companies such as Go Devil. When Go Devil he was helping build boats for Go Devil. Back in the day, whenever he was trying to cut his teeth in the industry, and uh, he, this man had a full-time job at a plant, making tons of money, making you know a good living for his family, has kids, little kids, and he had, he got to the point this year where he took the plunge and he decided that he was going to go full-time, put some faith in himself, and he went full-time with his company, Game Changer Boats, this year, guys, and he is now 100% his own boss now and making boats for outdoorsmen guys and he has been moving boats since he did that all across the united states this year we got guys that are in michigan uh the northern portions of the flyway new york uh that he sent game changer boats to this year and they are happy customers and they will tell you that for themselves he makes a great boat he's a good guy first and foremost he's a family man he's a god-fearing man and that's people that i like to do business with guys so you know, we anybody, and I'll mention that as we close on this episode, guys, anybody who is looking to promote products or your fellow outdoorsmen like us, then reach out to us, man. We love to talk to other companies like this that help support uh, fellow outdoorsmen and offer products that outdoorsmen could use that are good, reliable products and purchasing them from good people, guys. So we are open to opportunities there to do some advertising with us right here on Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. We'd love to form some more relationships as we move and we grow this thing even more, guys. But the last thing that I would like to say is thank you to all of you guys. As we do a wrap-up episode for the, this year's waterfowl season, I mention this all the time. We cannot do it without all of you guys who listen to us, man. You guys motivate us. You guys drive us to create more content. I really wish I could do this full-time. I would love to do this full-time. We try to create as much and pump out as much content as we can with a full-time job, a family, I coach, I do all that type of stuff. So we, we're getting out as much as we can, but we would love to do even more. But you guys motivate us to get more content out there, and we love the support that you guys give us back. Whether it's good or bad, if you're in this realm, 
of the business and you're a content creator and you can't take negativity, then that's also something that you have to you have to be able to do, man. Um, so we we understand that comes with it, but I tell you what, there's a lot of love in this industry as well. And uh, thank you so much for the support that you. And as we go into 2024, we're going to continue bringing you content. We're going to bring you some podcasts, additional podcasts throughout the year this year. And uh, and we're looking forward to next season, guys. We're looking forward to keeping it going. And hopefully we have a good season as we get ready next year for a whole new waterfowl season. So uh, thank you. That's, that's, that's really what my point of that is, is to tell you thank you. And we appreciate the support. It does not go unnoticed. So thank you so much. Well, guys, that's all I have on this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope this kind of gave you an idea. Made you, if you had a bad season, hopefully this made you feel a little bit better about your season, that, that you weren't the only one. And if you had a great season, then, guys, I'm glad for you. Thank, I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful that you did have a good season. Good to see some ducks down here. So uh, that's all I got, guys. But until next time, we'll, we'll do it again soon. We'll see each other and talk again soon, have another conversation. Uh, I'm Jacob with Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. And you're listening to the Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors podcast, guys. We'll do it again soon. Thank y'all.